Good morning, good afternoon, or good evening. Tom Moran here from Tom's Big Spiders to kick this one off. Just want to thank everybody that participated in providing questions for Billy's interview last week. It went very, very well. And I also very much, and so does Billy, very much appreciate the people that came forward to either comment or send an email and thank Billy for being on and say what a great job she did because she did. She did a wonderful job. I do this for a living. I teach for a living. I've been doing the Tom's Big Spiders videos, narrations, the podcasts. I'm used to talking with a microphone in my face and I it took me years to get used to it. So for her to come on and kind of nail it right off the bat was pretty spectacular. So thanks again to her. Thanks again to everybody that uh, participated and hopefully we'll do it again sometime. Now this week's episode will be focusing, we're going to title it unsolicited advice, which kind of has a negative connotation. It doesn't have to be negative, but the idea is that advice that you feel compelled to give when you see something that you see somebody doing wrong as far as husbandry is concerned with a hobby. And this topic idea comes from Adam Guest, who we were kind of going back and forth in an email. I won't read the whole thing because we're just us going back and forth about spiders and stuff. However, he talked about the fact that he's on Instagram now and posting pictures and people had started contacting him on Instagram asking advice and how he is on Instagram and some other social media platforms and he'll notice things that are wrong. And his question is, this made me think of a podcast on how you could broach the topic of bad husbandry practices in different situations might be helpful. Is it worth commenting directly to someone or is it better to just try to promote good husbandry to whatever audience you reach? So the idea behind this is should you, when you notice something wrong, comment or is the best practice to start your own, say, YouTube channel or podcast and just try to show people the best way to do it? And this is a complicated one. And first off, let me say I've been asked this many, many, many times over the years. It's sometimes from people that are just starting out on YouTube. Sometimes it's from just folks that enjoy watching videos, being on Facebook, being on Instagram that notice things and they're like, listen, how do you go about it? And I did kind of touch upon, I think in an older podcast, we talked a bit about how to approach somebody over information, but I think it's something we all struggle with. Now, personally speaking, full disclosure, one of the reasons I'm not on a lot of social media right now is because I find it very difficult myself to not comment when you see something wrong. The last time I was on a Facebook group, I it was early this week, I went on one of the Facebook groups, which I never go on them anymore. Just again, so if people that are inviting me and I'm not showing up, I mean, I'll, I'll accept the invitation. I just don't have the time and energy for it. But it was something about water dishes. And somebody came on and said, you don't need water dishes, they get everything they want from their food. And I, everybody by now knows I'm a huge proponent for water dishes. It drives me nuts when people just won't put them in there and try to argue against them. So I started typing and I'm like, you know what? No, everybody else was already commenting on it. They didn't need my two cents. I can't get dragged into that kind of stuff. So that's one of the reasons why I'm not very active on the Facebook groups. That's why I no longer post on a lot of forums. I used to be more active on the forums back in the day, but it's just you can only do so much and I only have so much time in the day. Plus, it comes down to that unsolicited advice. To approach somebody correctly and in a manner that's not going to trigger defensiveness, it takes some kind of, it, it takes some finesse. It takes some savvy. Because I think all of us are, we're built in a way that we don't like necessarily to receive constructive criticism. There's, you'd be hard pressed to find somebody out there that says, I love being told I'm doing something wrong. No, we don't. Naturally speaking, we don't. Now, a lot of us deal with it, I think, better. I think some people, will get the constructive criticism. They don't feel great about it, but they will use it hopefully to grow. I know I, if I receive constructive criticism, I take a deep breath, I read it over again, and I look at what the, the situation, I go, is there a point? Are they correct? 
and then kind of evaluate it. And usually in the end, I'm happy they said something. There's no usually. If, if they're right, I'm very happy they said something. But I don't think anybody likes the feeling of being criticized. Let's put that out there. It, I, I, you deal with it well or you don't deal with it well, but nobody particularly likes hearing it. So you, you have to go, if you're going to approach somebody about something they're doing wrong, especially in a public forum, and we'll get into that in a moment, then you really need to worry about your tone. Tone is incredibly important. Now, back in the day, I used to be more active on arachnoboards. I love arachnoboards. Just uh, if you want a wealth of information, there is so much there, even just some of the archive stuff that's fantastic. But it had a reputation for being a bit hostile toward people that were new to the hobby. People would come on, post a question that they thought was a legit good question, something they were worried about, and they would get get attacked by the mob. And I think some of it, there were some really good people on there and there were some bad apples that really tear people apart. Unfortunately, there's still, you know, one or two of them left, but there's some also nowadays, some great people there. Cold Blood, one of the ones that's a moderator on it has been great with answering questions. A lot of knowledge is breeding. But anyway, that was when I got started in the hobby, that was the place everybody went to and would post on. And it, it became immediately apparent that there were different ways of approaching questions. The way that if you want to turn somebody off right off the bat, when they ask a question or say something that you don't think is correct, sit there and make them feel stupid. Belittle them. That's the best way to make sure nobody is ever going to listen to a word you say. I teach, obviously, for a living. And one of the things is knowing that people don't like to take criticism. It can be very difficult to try to get a student to participate and offer up questions and to feel comfortable in that environment if you make them feel in a way that they feel like an idiot when they open up their mouths. So for example, let's take a situation where somebody posts up, hey guys, look at my new setup I did for my B. T-albopolosis. And they have this big 10-gallon aquarium. They've got two inches of substrate. They've got all these pointy, sharp decorations in the bottom. There's no water dish. There's no hide. Now, obviously, that isn't, I'm doing an outrageous example of it, but obviously that is not a good setup for anything, never mind a T. albopilosis. So there's a couple ways you could address that. Coming on to their post and saying, wow, that setup is atrocious. Well, that stuff there, you're going to end up with a dead spider pretty soon. That's the way to turn somebody off right off the bat. They're not going to let, you'll have some people be like, oh my God, I'm so sorry. Other people will be like, heck with you, man. I'm not listening to you because it's, it's rough. It's, it's confrontational. It's not something that makes this person feel comfortable in opening up and engaging you and maybe asking some important questions like what part of this is bad. Now, coming forward going, hey, beautiful beautiful T. you have there. I'm not sure if you're familiar with keeping this species, but here are a couple things I'm noticing. That's a better way. It sets a better tone, a more constructive tone, one that's less confrontational, one that's less likely to get that person upset because obviously they're going to be receiving criticism and you want to not trigger defensiveness. You, they're going to be, regardless of the information, they're going to have that little pang in their chest like, oh God, I'm embarrassed now. You don't want that to turn into a confrontational situation. So just the way you phrase it has a lot to do with whether or not people will listen to what you're going to say. Because ideally, if you're doing this for the right reasons, you want them to feel comfortable enough to not only take what you give them, but perhaps ask some questions back towards you. Hey, you said there's a water dish. I thought they could drown in water dishes. Or hey, I thought they needed sponges because they use their fangs like straws. And then you can kind of ease into it and hopefully it turns into a nice conversation. Now, the problem with 
social media, and I think we can all agree on this, is especially say I'm thinking your typical Facebook group. For every one person that says something nice, another person's going to come on, be a jerk about it, and just rip them to shreds because they didn't do their research. And that's part of the problem. If it's you and one other person, that's one thing. If it's you on a forum, they're going to get jumped on. So I will say one thing I would also encourage people to do is if you're seeing one of those threads blow out of proportion or the person's getting hammered, even if there's a couple calm voices in there, and usually there's one or two people that come on and say, hey, ignore the rest of these idiots. Here's some things to think about. Here's why. What you can always do is private message. I used to do this a lot on arachnoboards. People would get ripped up. I would shoot them a little private message. Said, hey, you know, so sorry for the way you just got treated out there. This, these guys are kind of hostile, but it's because they love spiders so much. And then kind of back down and go, this is what they're trying to say. And I've had a lot of luck back in the day with people going, hey, you know, thanks so much for reaching out. Because what ends up happening in these situations, when you do turn somebody off like that, they close up, they become defensive, and they walk away. And they're never going to get that information. They're not going to them. I'm assuming the ones that storm off and go to heck with you people or they don't make the changes that they need to change. Wherein if you contact them, they feel comfortable. They ask some questions. I've had people go back and forth with me four or five times. And again, it takes time to do this correctly. Then at least they've made the changes. You've assisted that person. More importantly, you've assisted the situation of the animal in question. So as far as groups are concerned, whether it be a forum, whether it be a, you know, a Facebook group, contacting the person privately is, does wonders. Uh, if you're on Instagram and somebody, I saw one on Instagram, well, it was quite a few months ago because I haven't been on in a while, but somebody posted something up and it was just a bunch of people commenting on the, the husbandry. And I think Instagram, people are much, much more brief on it than they can be on Facebook. Like Facebook, you hammer away. The Instagram comments are usually very short. So they weren't very nice and constructive comments. And that's something you can message the person on the side and say, hey, listen, sorry you're getting beaten up. Here's just here's why people are upset. Here are some reasons. And keep that nice, calm, supportive tone as rather than a tone, a judgmental tone or an angry tone. None of that works if you're legitimately trying to teach the person and get them to be receptive to what you have to say. That's one of the things that I've said this many, many times and people are probably sick of hearing it. But when you come from a background of teaching, and I think if you're, if you're a teacher worth your salt – you recognize this early on. I see it in teachers that will sit there and embarrass kids in front of a classroom full of you know their peers and then be surprised that the kids acting out are not being receptive to what they're teaching. Well, of course not. You made them look like an idiot. So always consider if you're going to try to change somebody's way of looking at something, take into account that group dynamic. It's not, in most cases, a forum and or a Facebook group is not the place to go at somebody like that. So always consider going the route of private message. Consider your tone. So now we've engaged this person. What do we say to them to make them more receptive to it? Well, I will tell you one of the best, I don't want to say tricks because it's not a trick. It's just letting them know you understand them and empathize with them. Using your own experience and examples to bolster your argument or your the information you're giving them. So for example, for any folks out there that have ever emailed me or messaged me with a question, Oftentimes, I will explain how I've done the exact same thing before. There's not, you know, I think you get to a point where I've been doing this Tom's Big Spiders stuff for a while and everybody just assumes I was born knowing all this stuff. No, I made my share of mistakes and I think what 
allows me to be a better teacher with this stuff is remembering those mistakes, remembering how it made me feel, remembering that, you know, back in the day, I didn't know what I was doing for a lot of this stuff. I think that helps. And I think people appreciate that because it shows when, when somebody comes up to you and goes, Hey, you shouldn't do this. That's one thing. When somebody goes up to you and says, Hey, you know what? You shouldn't do this. I did this before. And this is what happens. Now you've got a situation where you've got shared experience. They recognize that you're not going to be judging them because you did the exact same thing. Because again, it's it's keeping that feeling of being judged to the bare minimum so that they don't become confrontational or tune out. So coming on and going, hey, you know what? I get that you opened up the burrow to drop prey items in, but listen, I did this in the past and the thing was in pre-molt and I had to dig the whole thing up and it was a nightmare. Trust me, you don't want to do it. I've been there, buddy. I didn't realize it either. That makes somebody feel better. Now they don't feel like you're judging them because you've done the exact same thing. You're just trying to pass that information off. You're trying to tell them that the burner's hot before they put their hand on it because you've done it before. And that goes a long, long way to establishing the type of trust that's going to get this person to listen to you and to listen to your feedback and to not become upset over the fact that you're criticizing something that they did. So to be able to break out your own personal examples that mirror their own is an incredibly powerful tool. And honestly, I've been getting, I get a lot of folks contacting me about starting their own YouTube pages, starting their websites now. A lot of people want to go out there and share the information they've learned. Totally get it. If you're going to do that, this is important. Be able to remember what it was like to be at that point. Don't forget that we've all, I I don't care who the heck you are. I love when people go, I never made any mistakes. Bull. Everybody, as easy as tarantula keeping is, it's different from keeping other animals. So if you don't have that experience, there is a bit of a learning curve. Now, once you get over the learning curve, I don't think it's particularly steep learning curve. It's fairly easy. So we've all made mistakes. Be willing to own up to them and admit to them. It's going to make you a much more powerful and approachable teacher if you can share your own experiences and failures. I It drives me nuts when people go on and just won't own up. They'll do something wrong and they won't own up to it. And it's like, no, that's it. Not only a huge moment for your own personal growth, because for me, I can remember. I can remember staring at, I've mentioned this example many, many times, but when people come to me and go, my my sling just buried itself, it's been a week, I'm freaking out. I can't tell you how many times I see those go up on forums, people are like, leave it alone, it's buried, it's doing a normal thing, just leave it, and people get frustrated with them. I remember that. I remember my LP that I first got as a sling. And I remember reading it was going to burrow and it burrowed. And I remember freaking out and thinking, should I dig it up? And then I went on arachnoboards and I read every single thread I could with somebody's sling burrow. And I read every single thread where somebody went, you know what? Mine did the same thing. Don't worry. They're going to be fine. And that made me feel better about it. Remember your beginnings. If you're going to be one of those people that's going to go out and offer unsolicited advice, again, not a negative connotation of this one, but just they're not coming to you. You're coming to them then you need to be, keep in tune with what it like what it was like when you first got into the hobby don't lose that i mean i for me personally i i and again this is just me i love when people come up to me and they're they send emails like i'm so embarrassed to be asking you don't be embarrassed we've all been there obviously if i get asked a question 150 times. What does that mean? That means a lot of people have that question and need an answer for it. That's not something to get angry about. You can talk about all the research in the world. Sometimes they just need a comforting voice to tell them, hey, it's okay. We've all been there. So using your own examples is, I've used this for years in teaching. Teaching, it's an incredibly powerful tool when you have a kid that will look at you and go, 
wow, you struggled this with this too. I had a student the other day that was talking about he's having a really hard time focusing. He has ADHD. He's, you know, the whole homeschooling thing is not his bag. And I had to explain to him, listen, I have ADHD. I totally get it 150%. I have a hard time struggling. I have to conduct classes from a room full of tarantulas and transformer toys, which are my favorite things to go to when I'm in a bad mood or my favorite distractions. That's difficult. So that kid walked away not feeling like he was inferior because he wasn't able to concentrate. He was like, wow. Wow, you can identify me. And then we move from there and came up with some strategies that help me concentrate and hopefully we'll help him. That's the way to go about it. So we've got tone. We've got use your own examples. We've got private message. We've got the next one is avoid gang mentality, avoid the gang situations. And what I mean by that, and this kind of goes to the private message one. If you go to hop on, like the guy with the water dish the other day, I saw that like five people jumped on immediately about the water dish. He didn't need to hear it from me. He was already getting it. A couple of the people were actually very polite about it. Don't get into one of these situations where you're just piling on. I did this years ago. I won't mention the species, but it was on a forum where somebody, I'll mention the species, it was the OBT, and the guy that was coming on wanted to get an adult OBT, but had already through his older posts pretty much exposed the fact that he was in no way, shape, or form ready for it. It wasn't me making a rash judgment. It wasn't other people making a rash judgment. He had done some very silly things with some very you know basic beginner tarantulas that kind of showed he wasn't ready for that kind of speed. He had had one like a brachypelma hammer eye bounce off a table. It was, it was a bunch of stuff going on that showed he wasn't at the point to be ready for this. And it was early on and it just, I thought I could reach the guy because everybody was like, dude, knock it off. You're not ready for this. Not. So I tried to politely go listen you don't have the basic husbandry down so you're if you're having a hard time with the beginner species during you know basic rehousings and feedings and giving them water then this is going to be a potential nightmare for you and unfortunately because so many people had already jumped on him it just seemed like I was piling on and I got a very uh, <laughs> less than cordial private message from him telling me what I could do with my advice so I looked at that situation. At first, I was mad, and I jumped online, and we all joked that, you know, I got one of these, and I, apparently he told everybody off. But then later on, looking back, I was like, what did, what did I accomplish there? The guy is probably going to go get one. He may get bit. He may not. It was not the right place. I should have jumped on, again, back to private message and sent him a private message to say, hey, buddy, I feel bad that you're getting torn apart. But that's, again, where you live and learn from your mistakes. Don't get in one of those situations where it's just people piling on with it. Don't be one of the ones that encourages that. Because again, it disgusts me when I go on these boards. One of the boards I used to frequent, one of the forms I used to frequent, I went on a few months back and it was my first time on in a long time. I was just, oh, it's, I was looking at spider pictures, honestly. It was one of those deals where I was just like, oh, let me see what people are posting up. And I ran into one where somebody posted up something about handling and people were just ripping them to shreds. And it's like, you know what? What is the point? It, it, you can give your two cents about handling. This is going to lead to my next point in a moment, but there's no need to get on them that badly. Like, you know, I don't, I don't endorse handling because I, again, I try to practice safely with everything, but guess what? I've handled before. I handled my age to lenses. There are things that go on behind the scenes. I don't make a point out of handling. I want to make that very, very clear, but I've have handled. And it, the other day, one of my uh, G poker peas, came out, I have this thing with G poker bees, I absolutely love them, and one of them came out to explore, and I put my hand out, took a picture, and sent it down the billy, there, do I handle all the time, no, it's the first time I've done it in probably six, eight months, where I've had a spider anywhere near my hand, but it happens, so 
recognize that fact that, you know, when there's all these people nailing you for so nailing somebody for something, joining in on that is not the way to go, go about it. Ignore it, move on, especially if somebody's already said it well, or again, back to the private message. Now, back to the handling thing. My next pet peeve is when people state opinions as facts. That's a good way. Like I used to, I, I enjoy debating with people a, a lot. Like I, it's fun. It's like mental, a mental workout to try to sit there and go tit for tat and try to, you know, discount the information they give or whatever. It, but the best thing they can do is like present something that's not a, that's an opinion or not a fact as a fact, because right there kind of gives you an out because you can go, well, no, that's not true. And I will tell you, I will give you an example of where you can lose an argument or lose your credibility right off the bat. Water dishes. Yep, we can't get away with the water. Me not mentioning water dishes during a podcast is impossible. But here's the deal: people will come on and say you can't keep a spider, you can't keep a tarantula without a water dish. Tarantulas need water dishes, and guess what? That's not true because people have already proven they can raise them without water dishes, and they will do okay. They will they will be fine. They will not necessarily die. And I think I'm working on. I know I keep saying I'm doing it. I'm working on that video about water dishes and I've been just, it's one of those things I've been just kind of chiseling away at it. And that's one of the things I open up with is that they will not die if you don't give them a water dish necessarily. They do not quote unquote need water dishes to survive. That is not a fact because people have already proven that's not true. So if you come on to a video where somebody's not using water dishes and go, you need to get water dishes in there, they need water dishes, usually the response you're going to get is something along the lines is, they don't need water dishes, they get all their moisture from their food, I know many people that have raised them for dozens of years, I know so-and-so that's raised them for dozens of years, I know this YouTuber has a bunch of them that he's raised, and he doesn't give them water dishes and they do well, and you've just lost all your credibility, you've lost any momentum you have in changing that person's opinion. Now, if we go in with facts... Hey, did you know that they can use water dishes? Did you know that they will use water dishes? And many people have pictures of their spiders drinking out of water dishes. That's a fact. They will drink out of water dishes. So deal in facts when talking to people, not opinions. Focus on the factual aspects of it. Because I have in the past erroneously tried the argument, they can't live with water dishes or they need water dishes. And I've had people turn around and just, that's the end of the argument. They, no, they don't. People raise them without them all the time. What about slings? You don't give slings water dishes. And you're like, ah, oh, man, that's why you don't focus on that. It's not true. Go in for the, hey, did you know they use them? I had pictures. Pictures are worth, a, you know, again, pictures worth a thousand words. That's one of the reasons I want to do that video with them drinking, just pictures of tarantulas drinking. Then you go the route, if you know they will drink, that means they are not getting all the moisture they want from their prey item. If they're going to grab a drink, it means they're thirsty. And in theory, I'm assuming it's not just a boredom thing. They're going over to get a drink because they're thirsty. So that means they are not getting all the moisture they would like to get from their prey items. So there you've kind of broken down that argument. And then usually what I do is go to the point of view, like bottom line, wouldn't you like them to have that option? Wouldn't you like your spider? If you catch your spider drinking once, that water dish has already paid for itself as far as I'm concerned. So there's an example of one of those gray areas. And that's, I think the hobby is full of gray areas where it's a matter of opinion and not a matter of fact. Another one, obviously the handling, telling people if you handle, you'll get bit. Well, not necessarily the case. Do you increase your likelihood of getting bit? 
Yes, you do. Or if you're the type of person that reacts violently when you get injured, like if you slam your finger in a car door, you flip your hand up, you know, if, if something bites you, do you jerk your hand away? That's a situation where you're going to put your spider in risk, at risk. Those are facts. But saying that if you handle, you're going to get bit, not a fact. Another one, that, and again, I'm just naming some of the more popular ones I've seen people jump on, enclosure sizes. I prefer smaller enclosures for my my tarantulas, my slings. There are people out there that will drop slings in larger enclosures. Is that a black and white? Is that wrong? No, you can't argue because if people have successfully done it, then it can work. Do I feel like there's a better way to go about it that minimizes the risk of you having a spider that can't find food, having things dry out too much, not being able to keep track of the spider? Yes, I do, which is why I encourage people to keep them in smaller containers first so that they can keep an eye on them and then feel free once they get to be adults, you know, as long as it's appropriate size and appropriate depth, depth, go nuts, give them what they want. But there's one that if you come on and say, you know, if you keep a sling in adult enclosure, it's going to die. No. Do I have plenty of anecdotal evidence from other people? talking to other people from emails and messages over the course of the years that it can make it more difficult for them to keep their spiders? Yes, I do. So again, deal in facts. Don't come across with an argument. Don't get, you know, don't break out the hyperbole. Deal with facts, be approachable, and you're going to have much, they're going to be much more receptive to you. Now, next up, we've covered the tone. We've covered the use your own examples. Avoid the gang mentality. Recognize the difference between facts and and opinion, private messages are wonderful. For the next one, show them examples or point them out to places that they can go that reinforce what you're trying to teach. Take it off yourself. Hey, you know, I noticed that the cage here isn't quite appropriate for an avicularia avicularia. I can't tell you, I get a lot of emails with people that pick up avics from pet stores, Petco, pet crap hole, whatever the places are called, and they set them up in these barren enclosures like terrestrials, or they set them up without any foliage, and then they're wondering why their spiders all crawled up at the top. That's one of those deals where you can sit there and point them out to some people that either have videos or on Instagrams, got some beautiful setups. Point them out to places that they can go that kind of reinforce what you're saying. Hey, I noticed you're a Vic. I had one once upon a time too, and I set it up wrong, or maybe you didn't have one. Hey, here's a Vic. Uh, I noticed that the setup isn't quite right for that species. You might want to check out this video. You might want to check out this guy on Instagram. He's got some pictures of his setup that might give you some ideas of what to use. Giving video or video or picture examples is a great way to reinforce what you're doing. They have something to reference. It takes some of, you know, it's going to spare you having to answer a bunch of other questions perhaps because trying to explain a setup is a lot more difficult than showing a picture of one. Saying, so, all right, we're going to take a piece of cork bark. We're going to lean it at a slight angle. We're going to put some stuff. Here's a picture of my enclosure. Here's the cork bark. Here's the foliage around. Here's where I put the water dish, you know, all that stuff. Again, a picture is worth a thousand words. So anytime you can point them in the direction of a website, of a YouTube channel, a specific video, a photograph, that helps not only bolster your argument, but makes it much clearer what you're trying to show them or express to them. I've made it very clear over the last couple of years that a lot of times some of my podcasts are actually responses, long responses to questions I get, because sometimes you start to explain something, you realize this is going to take, you know, hours of back and forth trying to explain my point correctly. Or you're trying to like, 
fire off an email real quick or you're trying to fire off a message on Instagram or Facebook and you realize, man, this is becoming really involved wherein like I use my own library of stuff, not because I'm trying to promote myself. It has nothing to do with that, but I know that I've said it as articulately as I'm ever going to say it in a podcast or I've shown it the best way I could possibly show it in a video. So it's easy for me to go, hey, I hear your question. Here's my thoughts about this. If you have some time, here's a link to a podcast that I've completely articulated it to the best of my ability. So for example, the next person that asked me, how do you approach somebody online with some unsolicited advice about how they're keeping something? I'm going to go, well, it's funny you should ask that because I have a podcast about it. Because this long form is a lot easier than trying to hammer it out and encapsulate it in a quick email. So feel free to reach out, you know, show videos of your favorite, you know, show pictures of your own stuff, show pictures of other YouTubers that you think are doing a good job, you know, podcasts, whatever it may be, but bolster, support your argument by showing some evidence. We always talk again, relating it back to school. We have kids writing opinion papers and we always talk about the fact nobody really cares about your opinion. You got to back it up with something that proves it. So this is one of those situations where, hey, yes, you can put water dishes in there. Here are some videos showing spiders drinking in water dishes and not drowning. No, you don't need a sponge in there. Here's some videos showing that they're drinking perfectly fine, not drowning without spider without sponges. Hey, your enclosure isn't right. You get the hint. So using examples and showing them or giving them more information that they can do some more research on is a valuable way to kind of get them to change your opinion. Again, when you've done all this other stuff, you've kept your tone right, you've shared some of your own examples, showing them other people doing it, that bolsters it. Because now you're not just some one weird stranger on the internet who's telling them or criticizing them and telling them they're doing it wrong. Now they're starting to see other people that are doing it. And the YouTubers, sad as it is, they'll look at a subscriber count and they'll go, well, this guy has this many subscribers, so they must know what they're talking about. And that adds to your credibility. So Take advantage of that. Use examples when you can, whether it be text, whether it be video, whether it be photographs, whether it be podcasts, and use that to bolster your argument and to help them understand what exactly you're trying to say. And our final point, or my final point, I don't know if it's everybody else's point, but this is the things I think about how I approach it. So again, talk about your own example. These are things that I sat down and looked at some of the feedback I've given people, some of the, uh, the constructive criticism I've given people and try to come up with how I approach it. The last one, the best tip I can give is recognize when it's time to just walk away, amicably walk away. And what I mean by that is you're going to have people that regardless of your tone and using your own examples and showing them pictures of other YouTubers, they're going to become defensive. They're going to become jerks and it's going to turn into an argument. It's not worth arguing back. I've done it a couple times in my career. And sometimes it's I get so frustrated personally when, uh, you know, I think I have enough of a recognizable name out there that hopefully people, if they're emailing me, realize I've been doing this for a little while and I, I like to think I know what I'm talking about. Not saying I'm perfect, but just saying uh, most of these things, I, I, I have some experience to back it up. And every once in a while, you'll get somebody to come on, they'll ask you a question, I'll answer them back, and then they'll argue. And it'll turn into, well, I don't really think that. And like, well, why did you come to me in the first place then? And that can be even more difficult if you're approaching them, setting up that situation where they're like, you're a jerk and I don't I don't care. Your, your enclosure doesn't look that good. I don't like YouTube videos. I don't, you know, you can see the arguments coming out of it. So the trick is to recognize, say your piece. And if it looks like it's going to take a turn and get nasty, hey, walk away. Hey. Sorry, sorry for upsetting you. Just wanted to give you the two cents. Good luck. Happy spidering. Uh, deuces, I'm out. And walk away. Because I think some of us, I've done it before for a while. I had, I got into it with somebody over water dishes on one of my videos. And I'll tell you what I got out of it. I really, I, I shouldn't have done it. 
I engaged. And I don't think the guy was a troll. That's one of the reasons I engaged. I thought he was really just misinformed. And we got into it. And then I started getting sarcastic. And then I started like, all right, you're irritating me. So I'm going to irritate you. And I dropped the professionality I usually try to use when I contact people and when I go back and forth with somebody. And it got a little nasty. Well, that ended me a bunch of thumbs downs on that video, a bunch of thumbs downs on a bunch of other videos. And then somebody in that group ended up adding me, getting the little notification whenever I post a video. And what that earned me is for the next several months, every time I put a video up, literally within seconds, somebody would thumbs it down. So it was like, what did I get out of this? I, I, I should have just said my thing and walked away, but it bothered me that they were so wrong in their opinion that I couldn't stop. I've also done it email once, got a little, somebody was just so snarky with me and they'd come to me for help. And when I gave them my opinion, they just got nasty. So I kind of went back and said some things I probably shouldn't. And what did that get me out of it? I got frustrated. He's never going to listen to a word I say. He probably hates me and it's probably another thumbs down there. So recognize when the person is not receptive politely back away and leave. And I will tell you what's happened a few times is that I've gotten into it with people. They've not liked what I had to say. And I've been, all right, you know what? Well, good luck with that. And let me know if I can help. And they've emailed me back later to say that either I was right or to go, Hey, you know what? I thought more about this. I remember one situation where the guy said he was going to open up the, he opens up his burrows all the time for his tarantulas to check on them because he doesn't think it's safe that they're down there. I'm like, hey, buddy. And I told him the story of my LP. I told him how I dug up my Hapalopa species Columbia large once and it was all aggravated. I said, my experience, you rarely ever have to do that. That's not a good practice. Well, long story short, he's like, well, I disagree with you. How are you supposed to know if your spider's okay? And my thing was like, so I came back and I was like, well, you know what? They've been around millions of years and that's their way of putting up the do not disturb sign when they're done eating. Anyway, we ended off in a spot where I just kind of went, all right, buddy, have, you know, no problem. Do what you need to do. I, I understand it's freaking you out, but let me know if I can do anything else to help. I got an email from him months later and like the title of the email is so embarrassed or something like that. He had opened up one of the burrows. He had stuck a prey item in and the prey item had attacked the tarantula, which was one of the, the scenarios we had discussed. Cause one of the other things he said is that he drops, they, they drops prey items, live prey items down the holes. I was like, you don't want to do that. And he's like, I feel so foolish now. And I, there was, I can honestly say there wasn't a point where I was sitting there thinking, yeah, I told you so. Cause I was more concerned. I felt bad for the spider and I wish he had listened to me, but I thought it was big of him to come back and he apologized. And I thought that was cool. He came back and said, you know what? I should have listened to you. I'm sorry. I don't know what I was thinking. You had more experience. And I was like, Hey, no problem. And we actually came back a couple other times afterwards and it, it was very amicable. And he listened to me this time. So don't burn the bridge unnecessarily. Don't. There's a couple reasons for walking away. One, save yourself the aggravation. Nobody wants. We all know. I can feel it right now because I'm thinking of a couple of situations where I've gotten in, into it with people and they didn't listen to me, and it's frustrating. It's really frustrating, but it doesn't do anybody any good to turn it into something where you're just trying to, you know, make each other irritated. And I'm just going to say something else, but back away. Say, hey, you know what? Sorry, I couldn't help. If you ever need anything else, let me know. And you never know. Sometimes they might come back to you. The idea is to, to get that change. Unfortunately, sometimes it happens after they lose a spider and realize how wrong they were. Sometimes it doesn't. Sometimes they come back later on and go, hey, man, you're right. You're, good idea. And, and then they listen to you because now you've just, they've seen and experienced, they've experienced something that has shown them that what you said was true. It's like you look like some kind of psychic or mystic or something because, wow, you said this would happen. And it did. You said that something could go down there and eat my molting tarantula. I told you that couldn't happen and it did maybe I should listen to you so don't pile on 
I do think we have a problem in the hobby of getting upset when people don't listen to what we have to say, but all this piling on doesn't do anything. It turns them off. Recognize if the person's receptive, then go with it. Offer more information. If they're not, politely, you know, hey, I'm backing out, walk away. So these are the things, Adam, hopefully you're hearing this one. These are the things I would say that I take into consideration and how I operate and how I've done it for years. And I can say, knock on wood, and this isn't tooting my own horn, but I do believe it comes from years of teaching kids, especially some of the kids I get have not always been successful in school. And it takes some serious convincing that, that, you know, the classroom's a safe place because they're not used to succeeding this is why I think I have so little friction with people. Every once in a while, some jerk will come on and say something, or, you know, I won't be able to reach somebody and they'll get nasty or something. I had somebody the other day come on and say something that was kind of crappy on one of my YouTube videos. But more often than not, I don't have much problem, many problems with this. And more often than not, people will listen to me and, and take my advice to heart. I think that's why I've managed to grow Tom's Big Spiders from the little blog that it was before to something that actually has a little following to it. I mean, between the YouTube and the podcast and the and the website, there's there's people that seem to appreciate my opinion and value my opinion. And I think that's awesome. Just having to respect the hobby is just amazing. And I think the reason why I have these folks, I'd like to think, is the fact that I've been reasonable in my approach. I try to always remember what it was like when I first got into it and try to deal with somebody in a manner that I would like to be dealt with. I actually work well with, criti- with criticism. Like I, I'm not going to say... It doesn't get to me, but I find it very motivating. Like I want to improve, but I also recognize that some people that can crush them or that some people they're going to become defensive. So you need to know that going in. So those are my, we got tone, use your own. I'm not going to go through them all again, but it's kind of a teaching strategy. We keep going through them because I know I came up with a lot of information here, but ideally if that's how the whole hobby operated and took those rules into account, I think we'd be a much more welcoming hobby. I think we'd be above and beyond some of the other exotic pet hobbies like, you know, snakes, uh, reptiles, the fish. I've heard that the fish hobby, tropical fish can be bonkers too with everybody going on, you know, getting in everybody's business. I actually have a fish tank in my room that we had. It came with the house. They left the tank here, salt water tank with a sump and everything long story short it's been a nightmare trying to figure out how this thing works and keep it clean and i went on some boards to try to find information holy moly was it like i just like being somebody new to tarantulas going on and getting ripped to shreds i didn't ask anything but i read other people's comments so i know it happens everywhere but it would be so nice if the tarantula hobby would take a turn and just be more embracing of the fact that there are different ways to do things, be more embracing of the fact that people are going to come in the hobby and as much as we can sit there and say until we're blue in the face, do your research, do your research. Why didn't you do your research? Some people don't know how to do research. It's there it is. Like, let's just throw that out there right on the table. Some people will hop online. They'll pick up their phone. They'll go to Google and they'll go how to keep T. albopolosis. And the first article that comes up, guess what? They've done their research. It doesn't matter if that article is complete garbage. They'll go on YouTube Here's one for you. Guess what? The YouTube's videos, the popularity is determined by how many views you have. Guess who has all the views? The big people. Are the big people always the ones that you're going to get the best husband you from? Heck no. But that's just how it works. So I will have people that will go. I just had one the other day and I won't share any names, but they went, hey, I'm really confused. I picked up this spider and I did my research. I went on so-and-so's YouTube page and I set it up and it's not doing well. What's wrong? And I was able to go, well, well, this is not how I would set them up. This is how I'd set it up. But that person thought they did their research. People don't necessarily know that's a skill, that critical thinking skill to be able to go and look at and realize that guess what? When you Google something, the top choice isn't necessarily the best one. You need to kind of go through a lot of different things, compare, contrast. All of these people say it needs it moist. This guy says it needs it dry. Maybe this guy doesn't know what he's talking about. 
that's a difficult skill. So for us to just constantly berate people or make them feel stupid because they didn't do their research, it's not a good argument. It's not a good look for the hobby. Believe me, I've been doing this for many years now. I have people, I just had an email the other day from, I believe it was a young lady who, you know, I love your work and I just picked up my first tarantula. I don't know, I think it was a polka bees or something. And she proceeded to say that it was set up in a 10 gallon aquarium with a heat rock and a sponge in the water dish. And I actually thought it was a joke at first because it was like, literally, if somebody tried to do the worst possible setup for the spider, they could. She had it. She was spraying it down twice a day. There was a bunch of, she'd sent pictures. It was exactly what she described. There were a bunch of, the spider was all hunched up in the corner, not going down the substrate because the substrate was wet. There were crickets running loose. It was horrific. But if I sat there and went, yo, what is wrong with you? This is completely wrong. What are you, an idiot? You couldn't do it. So I just said, I start off with, where did you get the information for this when you did your research? Because this is not really how you want to set them up. And I showed some pictures of mine. And we, we got off on a good foot. And she's changed, making all the changes. That's what we need. If I went off on her and embarrassed her, she would have walked away and probably kept it the exact same way, kept the spider the wrong way. So that's my take on it. Now, truth be told, I have, and I've alluded to this, I talked about this in the beginning of the podcast, and Adam, I talked about, Adam and I talked about this in my email, I don't give a lot of unsolicited advice anymore. It's, there's enough people, I can't even keep up with the people that are asking questions, quite frankly. I mean, I'm always behind on my emails. I, I do a pretty good job on the comments of YouTube because I can just sit there. The other day I sat down and did 150 comments in one day. It was hours of going back and forth, and some of them aren't quick answers. So you got to kind of like get into it. I just have a hard time keeping up with it. I don't have the time to give the unsolicited advice. Plus, I don't have the energy to go on and get into those debates, to have people come up and go, no, they don't need a water. I just don't have it. However, we can't all do that. And obviously, some people out there aren't planning on doing YouTube channels. They aren't planning on doing podcasts. They aren't planning on doing websites, but they do want to pass on the information they've learned. And hopefully I've just given you kind of a framework for how you could go about this. I honestly, there's, for me, there's almost a template in my head when I respond to how I'm going to go about this to make sure that the person isn't offended, that they aren't, they don't become defensive and they listen to what I have to say. So I would encourage people who want to do this, go for it. Make sure your information is right. That's the one thing I didn't allude to here because I'm assuming any Anybody that's doing this understands what they're talking about, but I have had seen I've had seen situations where people have jumped on to criticize somebody and their information is wrong, and that becomes kind of embarrassing. Hey, you're not right. You should be doing this way. Recognize that. Like I saw a situation where, like, well, right off the bat, that thing needs to be. You need to have moist substrate there. It was an avicularia species. Like, well, back up. Let's talk about the cross ventilation and you know water dish stuff like that. Make sure your information is right, but if you follow these, you will have, A, it'll be much less stressful for you because more often than not, people are going to likely listen to you, and then if they don't, you just walk away and you're done with it. But B, you're going to be more likely to create that change. You're going to be more likely to, A, help that person improve things for their spiders, and guess what? That person is going to learn from your approach and hopefully do the same thing when it comes their time. They're going to pay it forward. Later on, they're going to feel confident in the hobby and they're going to come to somebody and go, hey, I remember one time this guy came to me on Facebook. My setup was all wrong. I did the exact same thing you did and this is what he told me and everything's going to be better off for it. Because again, I know it's not a perfect world. I understand people 
better than I wish I did. And it's a bit of a pipe dream to think everybody's going to be civil and get along. It's just not how people operate. But if more of us did it this way, again, it would just make the hobby that much of a better place to be because there's nothing I hate seeing more than people coming on that are all excited. They've just joined the tarantula hobby. They've got their first spider. They're, they've joined this group. They show pictures and the pictures show that they don't know what they're doing and everybody just destroys them and it just kills their love for the hobby. We don't need that. We need some understanding. We need some, you know, temperance. We need to communicate in a way that doesn't make people feel belittled or attacked. So Adam, hopefully that answers your question. Again, thank you for providing me with a wonderful podcast topic to talk about and one that will actually help me when I get asked this question in the future because I do get asked it quite a bit. It's usually YouTube channels. Should they do a YouTube channel? which I always like, we, we need more people doing it correctly as long as you're doing it, you know, doing it for the spiders and awesome. And then, you know, again, how to approach people. I think this is, this is what I do and it's worked pretty well for me. So that will do it for this one. This actually ended up to be a lot longer than I thought. I had another subject I was going to talk about. I had some new enclosures I just picked up, but we'll wait till next week and I'll probably be posting the video of those at the same time so people that hear the podcast can go over and look at the videos and see if it's something they like. So we'll hold on to that, but that'll do it for this one. As always, you can find me on thomasbigspiders.com, the website. You can find me on thomasbigspiders, not .com, thomasbigspiders on YouTube. My God, I'm losing a little bit there. As always, guys, have a great one. Stay safe, stay healthy, and we'll catch you all next time.